0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to today's podcast. We are basically continuing our Edgar Wright journey into his newest film, which is Last Night in Soho.
1: When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got troubles All the noise and the hurry Seems to help I know Downtown Just listen to the music Of the traffic in the city Linger on the sidewalks Where the neon signs are pretty How can you lose
0: Again, is our regular collaborator, Aryan bias And we also have another returning guest from uh, the old episode and the Free Guy episode, Bashisht Thakwani, who's, who's also going to chip in about Edgar Wright a little bit in general and then talk a lot about Last Night in Soho, which we plan to cover first in sort of our initial thoughts and everything. And then we plan to go into spoiler territory. So please make sure you take caution My God, I'm bad at this. Anyways, Pashisht, first we'll go to you just because Aryan and me have blabbered about Edgar Wright so much in our previous episode that what do you think of his filmography in general and where where do you stand uh, with respect to him as a filmmaker?
2: Like, uh, I am a big fan of his work. Like, I'm assuming both of you are and kind of like most cinephiles are. So, it's like uh, kind of one of those films that you put on when you're not really feeling good and you just want something light-hearted, something fun to watch and to just enjoy. So that's how I describe him. You know, he's kind of funny. His films are kind of funny in a very very happy way. You
0: know,
2: it kind of makes you always uh, feel uh, like even if you're in a bad mood or something, you just, for the timing, you're like, yeah, I'm fine. So like, for example, if I had college exams one night and I wasn't able to study, so I just put on hot fuzz, and uh, always put on all head head of it yes <laughs> yeah. so that and obviously with the last night and so i was very much excited because obviously he's trying something completely different from his comfort yeah. zone and his inspirations which i've seen from time to time are now properly there the horror
0: inspirations
1: yeah
2: are
0: properly there in this film
1: so yeah.
2: that's
0: what really got me excited so yeah, yeah. Uh, so Aryan, what about your sort of and I think Bashir's kind of set set us up for this. So I'll I'll just ask you directly like what are your sort of free thoughts going into the going into last night in Soho?
3: So I went into the film just like the protagonist of this film enters the reality okay, without knowing anything, without having no context, without even watching yep. the trailer or even reading the plot synopsis, to be very mm-hmm. honest. Because I read the name and I was like, I'm in for this, and I've been waiting and like Desperately to watch this movie ever since it was announced, and it's been mm. deleted like four times now. Okay,
0: yeah,
3: it finally released in India last this week. After
0: book, after book, my show corners that yes. I was released earlier, uh, right? Yeah. Oh God, yes, yeah
2: And this Jal- is what so, I wrote. Almost Jal- 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 caught me too. Oh yeah. yeah.
3: I- <laughs> At least it didn't. We didn't. We it didn't do it as well as the way it did, the way it treated the friends dispatch, right? At least it <laughs> oh, yeah, that's
0: true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So this is what I wrote on my letterbox and on my page. Known for his distinct style and incredibly genius writing, Egarite's new film explores some unexplored territory of embracing the nature of nostalgia without getting hurdled into its toxicity. It has some of the best production design, sound mixing, and of course, short composition that I've watched all year in a film. Though departure from his previous work in terms of tone and story, the film definitely has his trademark style written all over it. Go support this film as not a lot of contemporary filmmakers make films like these anymore.
0: So, I mean, you both have pretty much set this up quite well, I think. It's just, uh, I think I was not only excited for Edgar right, though, I was very excited for the two female leads in this. I'm a big fan of Thomas and Mackenzie and that gives me an opportunity to plug her one film that's not that much seen and I recommend everyone to see which is uh, Deborah Granik's Leave No Trace. That's her first film and she's phenomenal in it. Probably still her best performance even though she's fantastic in this film. And Anya Taylor-Joy who's become a sensation after The Queen's Gambit but is also fantastic in Robert Eggers' The Witch. So again, it's like you know, you see three people who you really love and admire come together and make a horror film which you also in general love. It's like, what is there not to get excited about, right? I was, I saw the trailer and I very briefly glossed over some of the initial reviews. And I kind of went, okay. I I mean, there was only one thing with the trailer where I was a bit like, I'm not sure how Edgar Wright's style will mesh with horror. Like there was a little bit of that trepidation, I guess. But but yeah, like the initial responses came and I was a bit like, oh, uh, Maybe my expectations are a little too high. Were a little too high, and I I was mildly heartbroken by some of the har- uh, harsh responses to it. I also think that's just because I think I do genuinely find Edgar Wright really lovely, even as a as a film lover and a director. Right. So I think we that's basically the way we sort of approached it. Uh, now we can go first through like initial thoughts about the actual film, Aryan's kind of alluded to his initial thoughts, though he can elaborate a little bit also. And then we can go on to Vishisht and then I'll pitch in last. Go ahead, Aryan. So, yeah, I
3: mean, we have seen so many films, especially in the past five years, I guess, that make sure that they cash in as much as extra money from the viewers, from the audience just on this one theme of nostalgia, right? Hmm. We saw how Uh, Steven Spielberg went down the slippery slope of throwing in every 80s pop culture reference into his 2018-2017 film um,
0: Ready Player One. One.
3: And yeah, even though I loved watching that film while it unfolded in front of the screen, right, it was a um, it was an action spectacle, right, as as one Mm -hmm. might come to expect from a Spielberg film. But I have not watched it ever since I have not revisited that film and neither have I in any proper memory of that film which speaks volumes, okay. Yeah. And that's just one of the films that has cast it in into this uh pseudo nostalgia theme. And how great for a filmmaker to step in mm-hmm. and just grab a beer and go, Oh my god, even though you guys are going crazy. Grab a
0: beer, and... did you say? Yeah,
3: this <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. I thought
0: you were in know, like
1: first, refer- in first heart- terms, <laughs> it's. Grab it's,
3: a corner. Grab it a,
1: exactly. a ponnet. Exactly. <laughs>
3: yeah. How great for a filmmaker to step in and be like, maybe nostalgia isn't that good of a thing. And I know that a lot of people are throwing shit at this film, especially this one letterbox review which I read, which I won't yeah. name. But that it that guy, that person was like, well, now Egarite is just going like don't screw nostalgia, fuck nostalgia. And I don't think that's the point of the film. The film very cleverly tells us that it's okay to embrace the nostalgia without getting, without getting hurdled into its toxicity, right? Hmm. Because I remember the one, one scene that stood out to me in my mind is that scene when uh, our protagonist, Thomas, uh, what's her name in the film? Eloise. Eloise. Right? So when she goes back to a hallway and we see uh, things unfold from her perspective and she sees what shitty things go behind brew behind those curtains yeah. of you know a glamour and all and that's that one scene emphasizes that one scene speaks volumes right that one scene can, gets embodied, it embodies the entire theme of the film, right yeah. and yeah, there's clear inspiration from Suspiria and other horror classics and all but yeah yeah I really that's easily this is one of the most technically brilliant film one of the most technically brilliant films. Of the year.
0: Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Vishis.
2: Uh Yeah, that that's what that was one catch that I like had when I first when the first look of the movie came out, the trailer and all that. It gave a lot of suspense vibes. I was like, mm. this is something you know, Dario Argento meets uh, Edgar. It is something that you know, it's it's a dream come true. And yeah. obviously, like my expectations were high, even higher till last week that okay, this is going to be good. But then it was slightly disappointing to say. Uh, mm-hmm. And it has turned out to be my least favorite Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would love to rewatch it. But uh,
0: what, what does I least think... favorite mean to you? Like in, in in a in a sort of broader context, like what is a le- does least favorite mean? You still like it, right? Kind of like. like... I still
2: love it. I still love it. yeah I, if exactly. I exactly. It to, yeah. Like if I compare it to his other films, then yeah, it does kind of pay in comparison. Yeah. Uh, so that's there. But uh, yeah, the thing is. Uh, it was a bit disappointing, but uh, as uh, Aryan said that the nostalgia part was like, uh, especially the way they started the film, the way the 60s nostalgia comes into the picture. So yeah. that was really brilliant, plus that amazing soundtrack. And like I was <laughs> going to record the entire uh, film. And yeah. uh, uh, that that it's there, that excitement is there from the start. But yeah, yeah I think after that, you know, things get a bit more weird and things get a bit more complex way too complex for maybe a psychological thriller like that
0: so yeah that's that yeah so i mean i i liked it also i mean i went in with tempered expectation i had sort of uh i had read a couple of very scary reviews and i was like okay uh, i i was quite like worried about me not liking outright not liking an edgar film. so i was like very glad to be on its side I think it's one-third phenomenal, uh, one-third good but repetitive, and one-third kind of convoluted, which is what I came around it around with it, like my thoughts around it was that. But I think the central performance pretty much carries it through its rough patches for me. I think Wright as a director has really changed his style here. It's uh, to me, even though the flashes of him are are visible here, there are also things which I was like, is this like really Edgar? Right, like he's completely changed some of the things that I I expect from him, which I like. I don't think a director should be constrained by his smash cuts and whip pans and things jumping in and out of the frame, right? And uh, and yeah, again, I really like the construction of it. Uh, though I I think it's got fair amounts of problems and we will discuss them when we get into spoilers right but i think from all our ends as an all three of us will recommend it right definitely right. yep
2: yep definitely
0: even especially more watch so it in the hall. exactly exactly oh it God, this is this is going to come back no sandeep is probably like <laughs> okay
3: no but yeah. serious yeah. cast versus film that especially was it in a hall right and this film really deserves uh, everyone's support right if, especially yeah. people who tag themselves as cinephiles right I mean, Ouch. I, mean <laughs> I, looking... I, I also tag myself as that but if it was yeah, a that, online
0: so, I would
3: have yeah I'm referring to us very gladly and even like looking at the last duels performance and now this it's like very sad yeah. seeing films like these which are you know such so well presented like the just the presentation yeah. of this film like, I have a lot of flaws with this film, okay? Yeah. But at the same time, I also realize that this film is more about that mood creating. It's more about the themes that it's trying to sell. And yeah. in that aspect, the presentation of it all, it's just it's so good at that aspect of filmmaking that yeah. I have to sit and a bit, you know, be biased about the storyline, which is really, to be very honest, it gets convoluted at times and all. But I mean, do you guys want to talk about the brilliant sound mixing in this film?
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, so what what we'll do is, yeah, go ahead. Talk about the technical elements. That doesn't have spoilery elements. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go uh, ahead. <laughs> do you begin? If, if you have anything uh, to say about
2: the sound mix. Since he, actually, since he mentioned the way the film is presented, you know, the first thing that struck me was the production design and the, uh, what do you call, it? the cinematography of the film. Hmm. If you notice, like, the 60s part, when you go in there, like mm. when you watch, you know, Eloise comes out of uh, into a dream and sees the Thunderball poster there. Yeah.
1: You
2: remember that shot right?
0: Yeah.
1: So
2: in, uh that that is again very brilliantly done. But if you look at it very carefully, obviously it feels like uh, the '60s is some kind of a magical world. And yeah. Like for us at least, for us who are, are in filmmaking and uh, in in all of that, so we mm. kind of do realize that yes, this is kind. These are kind of visual effects. This is kind of CGI that we mm. can notice there. But it's done in such a way that it never feels of of putting. Hmm. Whenever we see bad green screen work or b- bad VFX, so that yeah. really impressed me. And it's there in all the all the scenes of the past. Yeah. And it's obviously the film is gorgeous. I must say the lighting is obviously
0: Suspiria inspired. Yeah, and this
3: is on the you, blues and reds everything. Yeah. You've got
0: red on you. <laughs> Yeah, that's the one thing that kept on going in my head with 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 respect to like uh, lighting Mm. in this film. I was like, I can't stop thinking about that Shaun of the Dead, uh, (laughs) dead thing. Uh, But yeah, it's like the sound mixing as sorry, Aryan had mentioned it. Yeah, it's it's that I was like watching it and it's that eerie feeling of like everything Mm. around you sort of rattling, like everything, the background noise is sort of. Kind of clicking behind your head and like you can sort of take in the, the whole experience. I guess this is sounding like a cinema going experience. So congratulations, Sanjit. Uh But 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 yeah, it's it is it is uh, really something to to experience. I guess. Uh, exactly. but, and
3: you know, for a for quite some time, I kept feeling like this might be the most. This might be the least fleshed out Eggerite character easily that his film has ever come up with right but then as Eggerite films normally usually do this film kept growing on me okay and then I started thinking maybe I'm looking too much into this but what a great way to portray this theme about the toxicity of nostalgia about how a certain time in history might appear to be certain way it might appear to be very you know well and good in your memory in your yeah. head in your abstract memory but in yeah. real it was shitty right in real on grounds behind all that facade it was maybe worse than what yeah. culture what our culture looks like right now right yeah even though it, yeah and what a great way to showcase that aspect of our nostalgia about our world through a protagonist who is doing something so glamorous like fashion designing mm. and all? Who's into art? Who's like very good looking, very yeah. very neatly casted, such a good looking like yeah. a very uh, a very famous star, right? off from success a success like Jojo Rabbit. So she he yeah. casted someone like this, and what a great way to portray a theme like that through mm. a protagonist who is actually appearing to be like a, a good coming of age story, like a fashion designer who's going to this. Great yep. city, who's going to London and who'll learn a lot and make mm. a breakthrough and all, but actually she's at the back of the mind, quite literally going through a lot of shit because yeah, she's yeah. dealing with the grief and
0: a loss Out, of her mother. Outside feeling... story, no, very. very she's yeah. feeling like outside her place, uh, like yeah, exactly. literally and in some cases. We a at a
3: point, we even come to know that um, she has had a mem- like. An incidence of schizophrenic episodes in her family. She has that running in yep. her history. Uh, her- yeah, yeah, she has her running in her family, past family history, right? So mm-hmm. this adds on, this breaks that facade on both the storytelling level, on the structural level, as mm-hmm. well as the backdrop of the film that the, the film is set in, which is mm-hmm. 60s London. And when she sees that what is actually happening behind all that, you know, glamorous life of, you know, night clubs Behind and this all mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly, and this is this is. <laughs> that's why the film has you know kept growing on me, and I I'm I'm damn sure that upon rewatch, I'll like it even better. Okay. Yeah.
0: Go ahead, Vashish. Anything to say before we delve into like spoilery stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we can delve into spoilers. Yeah. We you directly want to jump there? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so yes, I'll I'll start first. Or Vasu, actually, you go first. Any anything specific you liked about it or disliked? I know there's a, there's a couple of points which I disliked also. So go ahead. Uh, you can go with uh, the likes yeah, first that's or list like yeah, that's
2: the thing. I'm kind of itching to talk about the issues that I. That's <laughs> yeah, the only thing that's coming in my mind right. Now. <laughs> go so ahead. I, like any of you can go ahead first, so that you know I can't think of anything right now about like
0: anything great about it. No, I I just think uh, uh, in terms of like great stuff. I think. Honestly, Thomas and Mackenzie was was my conduit into the world. It was, you know, the wonder and terror of London, 60s London, both is so well... I mean, uh, she's got, like, big, wide eyes, right? And she's really expressive with those eyes. Like, you can really feel her excitement and then she becomes, like, supremely timid. Like, her performance is pretty much in sync with the, the, you know, expressive colours and the way Wright is constructing it is much more... uh, inspired by Bollywood I think in some ways like the color use and everything is properly like bursting at the seams of it and everything right you know so I think in that respect I really I bought into her performance I think her performance does a lot of uh, heavy lifting character work wise which I think could otherwise kind of be more of a cipher the character could be uh, I think, uh, again, you guys have mentioned the production design, everything is fantastic. I, I think the film's first 30 minutes, I don't know, I didn't clock it or anything, but the first film's first movement is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think the switch that happens, the first time Eloise goes and becomes Sandy, is one of my favorite sequences this year. Like the camera sort of... Uh, pulls back and then it pans to the uh, left I think and then we follow her and the soundtrack is playing at a sort of lower uh, bass or amplitude at that time and then as you sort of step into the world it like gradually builds and kind of reminds me of Baby Driver how it kind of uses sound to build up to a moment and like sort of explode at that moment and as soon as it exploded I was like wow like that's how you kind of go from one place to another so that was lovely and uh, and then there's the other scene where Eloise is coming down the stairs and uh, the reflective mirrors, you see, uh, like, sorry, Sandy is coming down the stairs and Eloise is in like these fractured reflective mirrors. And that's like, I was like, this is incredible. And, and it's, it is it is a joy to, you know, I think as, as cinephiles, it's joy to sometimes watch a filmmaker make those types of stylistic touches. It's, it's really fun to watch. And I think up, up until the point where, Eloise sees Sandy getting stabbed. I think the film's all these formal touches also kind of hold like a great novelty to it. it. I really like the musical number that happens when she discovers that Sandy is, uh, is not the main centerpiece of the whole attraction there but she's just another girl. So there's this scene where he's doing this. It reminded me strangely of The Handmaiden which... Which is kind of understandable considering the cinematographer is the same, but it, the production design—you know—everyone, all the female people, uh, characters have like keys on them, and then the locks are there, like all that stuff. I quite enjoyed. I think the film kind of slips away after that in in different ways, though. Though it doesn't entirely like slip away, but but yeah. Any more positives before we delve into the issues? Please go Actually, ahead. Actually, shall I go? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh,
2: actually, uh, like you mentioned, the first 30 or 40 minutes of the film where she is just, you know, excited about going to London and being, making it into the fashion industry. Yeah. That's also what I agree with and I really like a lot. The yeah. other thing, which I think is very, you know, not very noticeable, but it's, yeah. I think it's noticeable, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll just say it that, you know, there's this uh, friendship, weird, not weird, there's a very strong friendship, a strong bond between Eloise and Sandy. Right from yeah. the start. Yeah, till yeah. the end of the film, even when she's like spoilers obviously, yeah. she's the old lady. That friendship I really loved. That was the yeah. only thing towards the end, even though there were a lot of flaws that were going on in my mind, mm-hmm. that thing towards the end uh, kept me going. You know, I really loved mm-hmm. that part. Yeah. It's kind of like you know, two women in a toxic uh, in a world full of toxic masculinity, just being yeah. helping hands for each other, just being a support yeah. for each other.
0: Yeah, I think that is very sweet and warm. I think that's that's very true. I, I think again, I think the performances really play a part here. I think like the uh, both of them, you know, there's one or two shots in which Thomas and Mackenzie looks a lot like Anya Taylor Joy, and I was like exactly like, yeah. uncannily like that. And I was like, I never thought I saw these actresses looking alike, and uh, because I think they they kind of have that similar facial expression mm. to them also that friendship and sameness and whatever camaraderie probably mm. like shows up more in uh, in this than, uh, than probably the film kind of gestures towards in the end but uh, but yeah I totally agree with whatever Vashish said. Uh, Narayan anything you were saying?
3: This is the kind of film that I wanted bad times at El Royale to be. Oh, okay. right? like, this is the kind of, like and the film is like when it comes to this film it poses such interesting questions questions, right? Mm. Because it poses questions like, is Sandy a fitment of Eloise or yeah, right. imagination or a wish fulfillment or anything like that or is she just someone who's made up from across generations as a genuine connection for Eloise, right? I mean, there's She's sorry, more...
0: there, there's that suggestion towards the end that Sandy might as well be her mother kind of. Exactly, exactly.
3: Right. So, yeah. the film poses a lot of these interesting questions until it doesn't. Right, until <laughs> it rolls back on some of that. Like, so now we might get into some of the real problems and loopholes. Loopholes is, I guess, a bit of work, right? Yeah. Because I vividly remember and I noticed this right after the movie ended, okay, during mm-hmm. the last act. How do you explain that connection with the actual physical implications that Eloise's character had, right? Because in mm-hmm. that first, once I guess, first. Uh, 60s sequence where she go, goes back in time and all we see that the next day when she wakes up she literally has a hickey on her neck right Yeah. so how is that how do you explain that wash that because there's also that there's, there might be an explanation for that because we hear from that doctor or someone like that he there's episodes of schizophrenia and her family mm. history and all so maybe she's just imagining that but yeah. if that's the case then why not address it again because being eager right you hmm. are so like epitome of addressing things Set and and pay off, so right? yeah. Yeah. like setups and payoffs, right? Yeah, there's like foreground, background, everything is a setup, right? Everything yeah. is leading up to something, then why not address this very important aspect hmm. of your film and world building?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Vashish. say say I'm 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 waiting for my turn. Like <laughs> you go ahead <laughs> first.
2: Yeah. Um, I guess the Hickey part, maybe it's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, it's kind of, you know, you could say a very symbolic way of saying that she's literally and even physically transported to the past, to a, hmm. to a time and place that she, you know, loves so much. Like, she's kind of an outcast among her friends.
0: No, but she also... kind of relates... Uh, sorry, sorry yeah, yeah. to No, also, I think there's that suggestion, no, that uh, the, un- the bar and that place are the same things, right? So I guess when Eloise is going down there, so when Sandy is going down there, it's, it can also mean that Eloise is going down there. Like the bar place yeah. is no no different to this other place, right? That's the whole suggestion that past and present are kind of coexisting together. See, the thing is, mm-hmm. there's yes. a lot
3: of possible explanations for that, and I don't. I am a sucker for good ambiguity in things. Yeah. But my problem is that if you're building a world, you have to set some basic principles that you have hmm. to. Especially yep. if that world building is so absurd and over the top, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to address these issues, otherwise you can't just do anything that you like. And that is that thing where a lot of critics and a lot of even audiences are, you know, checking out of the film. Hmm.
0: I mean, which is I unfortunate. Would,
3: time. Yeah,
0: I would, I would argue there are other points also, in the sense that the film isn't scary. <laughs> Like, gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I was just about to say that that the horror part of the film
2: is, I don't know. It's not scary. It feels like it. it feels like me four years back writing a writing my first <laughs> script. You know, uh, I'm I'm making a student film. It yeah. feels like that the horror part. It feels like okay, these are you know those those yeah. apparitions that are there, those spirits that are there. It feels, See, I don't know, it, it's not scary. It's not scary
0: know, that, at all. That's, that's the thing though. I think he's kind of doing it deliberately. I think, right. I think it, there's that Jalo inspira- inspiration. There's that, you know, slightly over the top inspiration always. And it reminded me, the spirits part especially reminded me of uh, Crimson Peak. Another film by Guillermo del Toro. Another film I don't find scary at all. But but that spirit element. <laughs> Yeah, like I got the fantasy element of it, but it didn't really make a big impact. And I think the film is saying something very serious for it to take inspiration from Jalo, I think. I mean, that's me That's me saying as someone who doesn't know much about Jalo outside of Suspiria. So like, I don't know much about it. But the point is the horror isn't It's scary. just a
2: beautiful woman getting brutally killed. That's Jalo and general.
0: Yeah, if, but if it's that, it's done in a much more tongue-in-cheek way, right? Isn't it much more like uh, self-aware? Not self-aware even, but like much more. The direction is to uh, over-emphasize.
2: Uh, I I uh, guess yeah. it just uh, borrows from the genre. For example, the neon-soaked lighting, the expressive yeah. lighting. Obviously, huge-ass knives to kill people, uh, and a lot, <laughs> and the, even the blood. I, I, I I'm not sure if I'm the one, but the, if you notice. In the scene where she's killed, uh, Sandy's killed in the bed. Yep. The blood that's there on her neck and all her body—that blood, very that texture of the blood is very similar to what what I had seen in Suspiria uh, when, yep. when the girl gets killed at the start. You know yep. that blood is not ne- how we see blood; it's very weird red color. Yeah, so yeah, it's nice. like it could just be a
0: colourful. Very... Huh, but Bo, I think all of that has much more of a playful tone, though. Each film ha- doesn't have a playful tone at all, I think, which is exactly. which is the most surprising part to me. Like, I think he trades in the humor too much. I think he like, in the humor too much.
3: Too many clashing tones in certain scenes. A like, little
0: bit with the horror, I. And think. especially,
3: see the horror. Like, I was just, I was just trying not to say anything because <laughs> I really wanted to listen to the other side of the opinion. But as, as I said, that I went into this film without even reading its plot or watching the trailer. Yeah. Okay. So I am like a live example, okay, (laughs) for anyone who wants a counter because I had literally no expectations about this film being a horror and that's why it worked way better for me because I know that even if right goes for horror, it won't be the conventional horror and this film is clearly a psychological drama but since it's, if I'm not sure, I don't want to be wrong over here but it is a universal picture distribution, right? Yeah, focus
0: focus. focus, There was like a lot of people who were distributing it. Yeah,
3: yeah. So there were two studios. So I think the main problem isn't with Egarites writing or direction. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's definitely not among his best films, Mm -hmm. but I think the main issue is the marketing because Mm -hmm. this has been marketed as a horror film. Like, but
0: it is no, I think, don't you think it is technically it It is is more like a cycle of. hmm. Psychological horror, no, like he, his inspirations are so inspired, like his inspirations are so uh, rooted in uh, horror and psychological. But horror
3: see, that- Drew, when it comes to it horror genre, genre, see, it's it's probably my favorite genre on par with action genre, okay. Mm-hmm. So, I'm speaking this on behalf of being like a massive horror genre fan, okay. I'm a sucker yeah. for good horror movies, but horror is the mo- most subjective of all genres of course right? yeah, yeah. So what scares you is different mm. because for me good horror is always one that happens at the most human psychological. Yeah, yeah of course the yeah. Yeah. and they talked about midnight mass right yeah, yeah so that aspect of horror is the most scary it's is the scariest for me so yeah. it's like i don't know i'm <laughs> like it worked for me i wasn't no. on the on the contrary i wasn't scared at all in this one huh,
0: so, yeah, yeah i think the i think very, I had noted this. Like the parts that were scary to me, Vasu, uh, you can go ahead. By the way, uh, I'm looking through my notes uh-huh. if there's anything here.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, what Aryan said was I, that is very good point because since he comes from a perspective that without any uh, like you know expectations from a film like this, but I think there is something. I'm pretty sure you might have also noticed uh, both of you that in the horror horror scenes that are there where the mm. spirits come and the way they have been shot, the way they have been shown, the have been shown. Mm. and if you notice how the sound design is and how the sound effects have been done, it feels as if, at least the sound feels as if, it wants us to feel scared. You know, it wants us to, uh, it has those classic horror trope sounds uh, yeah. and soundtracks that want to make you feel scared, but the visuals on the screen just don't match with it. Yeah. So I feel like the sound is telling something else and the visual are, visuals are telling some other story. So there is a
0: mismatch there. Yeah, I, so think, I
2: think that's the reason why I felt it was not really scary as
0: such. That's I I, I think I agree with Vishu. I think it's more more to do with that you know that it's that element that he wants to scare. I think he genuinely does want to discomfort us. I think discomfort he maybe does me does for me yeah, in a couple it is, of instances. Really. Yeah. Like you know the, there is one image of you know all these men breaking out of the walls and like writhing upon sort of. Uh, the Sam. Uh, Eloise uh, and kind of implying Sandy also that's a fairly creepy image I think I think there's like a couple of images uh, again when we discover that Sandy is being exploited by like all the men in the all the men in London almost that image is kind of discomforting but I think there are moments in which he really goes for like you know core shock whatever I think those moments don't gel with with the psychological aspect of it I think if he's stuck to you know his, one of his major inspirations is uh, Mr. Polanski's Repulsion, which I mean, I I was like, okay, but like, it's a very different thing. I think Repulsion <laughs> is much more effective at like doing psychological horror. I mean, then also- Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah go ahead, Vasush. Yeah,
2: go, no, no, you can, you
0: can go ahead. No, no, I was just listing his inspirations, which like the Criterion thing did something where uh, he had listed a bunch of his inspirations for this film mm-hmm. and- Personas in it, like very highbrow references. how huh? Be- see the it. persona. I, I, I am persona inspiration.
3: I understand because of that duality. Split.
2: yeah, yeah, duality. Yeah. No, no, no. But if you think about it, this Mulholland Drive fits perfectly in terms of inspirations. How come yeah. that is not
0: an inspiration? Because I mean, he's not listed rights. it, but like I'm. Well, I guess Mulholland Drive also came from a lot of persona. I guess so. It's like yeah, exactly. That came from right.
2: persona. So,
0: yeah. yeah. So I mean, persona is like like now if someone references it, I'm just like, okay, like wo to hi reference to horror film, hai. like whatever uh, from uh, auto director. But yeah, like black. Go, Noss. short shot is so famous yeah. <laughs> that like, even
2: Kota Factory has that shot. Like what? 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 Is that thing? Kota Factory like has that shot. You know, no, no, the, yeah, the, the, the face and you know, uh-huh. the other character comes from the side of the face. Yeah, that's yeah, there yeah. even in Quota Factory.
0: I'm like, oh, perpendicular, that's short, nice. no, almost like a SHO. You can then uh-huh. draw a line like this, basically. Through, I mean, I'm doing yeah, signs yeah, yeah. which which no one will understand, but okay. Exactly. Uh, but,
2: <laughs> no, but you mentioned repulsion, and you know, it just struck me that you know, yeah, there is a bit of inspiration, but I think w- what you said, the repulsion did it better because it of held back. It, it was very. It's minimalistic. A, yeah.
0: It it's a very, very methodical, very methodical. Like, boina jaloka ka inspiration. Inspiration when you throw into repulsion, I'm like, it takes away a lot of things. I think. Uh, See, okay, so I man. think you know, kind of it loses it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aryan go defend, <laughs> defend Mr. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know we are, like to, we are going to we are going to we are going to tag him in the review, right? So we need someone to defend so that so that he actually likes our review. <laughs>
3: No, but but seriously, like uh <laughs> definitely. I'm mean, just uh, yeah, clickbait or uh... <laughs> yeah. No, but no, the I mean... horror, the horror elements over here don't feel like in the face horror. It's not in the face horror. The horror elements in itself in this film feel like mir- merely they feel like suggestions, right? So mm. that's why and it works in favor of the story for me. I mean, I know yeah. that I was on I was not scared to be very honest. I was. Yeah. There was never a moment where I was scared, but I did feel a I did feel uncomfortable a lot of the times, yeah. and especially that uh, first time where we out and out see that brutal violence of about that that entire sequence right in bed for the first time where yeah, we yeah, yeah. get her, yeah where she looks above and there's a mirror and all yeah that entire sequence it's like two minutes or something that yeah. entire yeah. sequence has to have probably the best editing i've seen in a film all year the yeah. editing in that's it's, it's phenomenal right and when uh Vashish said that it really did not like the soundtrack and that was a great point because he said that the soundtrack it didn't mesh very well it didn't gel very well with the images that ride yeah. was going on the screen right it's very really ironic for a film for a filmmaker who's so obsessed mm. With synchronizing everything. It's very ironical, right? Because I feel that that's what I felt when it comes to certain scenes that the movie was going for. And even that entire sequence where she starts recording that uh, she was doubting that he might be the guy, right? The old guy at the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she she connects the dots and she comes to a conclusion in her head Hmm. that he might be the guy, okay? He might be the...
0: I also came to that conclusion. Yeah, Yeah. it was very evident, yeah. yeah. but. I came to the wrong conclusion. I was with Eloise. I was like, oh, definitely he'll be like the mad character. Hmm. But then I... I, So this is the other problem. But before that, I just wanted to uh, Hmm. talk about... uh, What was I going to talk about? I've forgotten. Never mind. So this brings me to the second problem. Which is like, the script is kind of predictable. I was never like, oh my, like except for the moment where it was like, you know, oh this old dude isn't like mad. I was like, yeah, I know who the dynamic character in this is. Like I knew from the get go who she is. Like I, I was like, okay, I get that. So like, how are you gonna go exactly about it. it? So I think the exactly. predictability kills a lot of the horror in any case. I think for me, so I've. Uh, so I was basically like, okay, so you're going to go roundabout about this way. Uh, so you basically need to make the build-up really strong then, right? Because if you already know the twist and it's like, uh, what are you going to do then? So, so, yeah. So I think the script that way is weak and in some elements, I think I told you, just we mentioned the removal of humor almost entirely from the film is a weakness. I'm like, you can retain some of the right touches. Like There are some moments which are, I think, uh, humorous. You know, like, it's in the cuts again. It's like basically she's sitting, uh, and like immediately you like cut to the morning scene, or like whatever, like very minor. minor I'm not minor.
3: the kind of person who would leave. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Would yeah
3: leave in the middle of the night, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the next yeah. scene,
3: it's like very huh.
0: Exactly. It's like, but but those are minimal, I think. And mm. then there's let's throw in some race into the mix, which is my least favorite part of the film. Mm. I was like. Why? Why? Who has told Edgar Wright that he needs to make a commentary about race in last night in Soho? Isn't what? the film? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no. I was just. I thought the character was very tokenistic. Like good, you know, the good black character, and I'm just like, okay, I, I don't buy it. Actually, actually, yeah.
2: when, uh, when, uh, what is the landlady's name? I keep forgetting.
0: Uh, oh, I mean, is, she is L.O.E. She is uh, Sandy, El- only, right?
2: So uh, sorry. Uh, so basically, the old Sandy when she you know stabs him. Uh,
0: yeah.
2: uh, I forgot his name. I think John. Yes. I think I yeah, that. yeah. We all forgot. So I for 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 a moment I was scared. Okay, this is a horror film, and here is a black character getting he stabbed. He's angry yeah. at playing it. You know, horror film cliches, or stereotypes. Yeah. I was yeah. scared for a moment. Okay, but then yeah, that didn't happen. It's yeah, yeah I, it's kind of a. I honestly liked his presence because he was the only person who kind of, you know, was listening to Eloise,
0: was empathetic towards her. But it's it's like... "Ah, It's very tropey, I think. Now it's become a trope. You know, you just cast like an outsider character, make him black and then... But apart from that purpose, he literally has no life. Which is the other problem. Like, it's like you're just there to like be... And then there's that very strangely dramatic moment where he's like, I understand... Because I have also felt like I've been an outsider and I was like, really? You're going to throw that. that at me? I'm like, no, don't do that. Like, And it's not on the performance. I think it's on a very writing-based level. It feels like a very inserted character. It could be a white character, I think. It could be the same thing. You're mixing race very unconvincingly with uh, the whole outside of the Actually, thing. this kind of commentary that he
2: makes that you are mentioned brings me, mm-hmm. I think, to one of the main problems of the film, which is
0: the... We'll, we'll praise like... the film also again. Don't worry. We are not no, just...
2: Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> obviously but... <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what I... The commentary that uh, Wright wants to make with respect to the gender roles in society, especially mm-hmm. like when he tries to show how, how you know, toxic masculinity... Mm. Uh, kind of creepy and men yeah, making yeah. women's life hell mm. you know that feels very I'll be very honest it feels very juvenile it mm. feels very black and white it feels okay yep. these are the bad guys women are being oppressed okay I've seen this in films uh I don't know hundreds and several times and now I'm like okay I know this like okay mm. you're presenting me this which is fine yeah but you know add add something to it add some depth to it add know like something should be there to you know make me think that okay you're trying to present your own worldview you're trying to present a version mm-hmm. of what you think about how the gender norms were there in the 60s but it's very generic to be very honest it feels well, again I said very black and white it just feels like it's just there so
0: but I, I think that's also to like uh, I didn't know you go after this but i I'm uh I think it's also to do with the uh, horror genre then, right? Because then it's like horror genre sometimes can, like, especially he's operating in Jalo sometimes, right, basically here. Doesn't it allow him, doesn't it basically give him a sort of pass to play it a little black and white? Because he's basically going, um, like, you know, horror, May you generally, like the mode of horror he's operating in, you have clear villains and heroes, generally, mm-hmm. right? So if you're adopting that uh, film ka language, Then I think the lecherous men and the victim women is probably like a. Though I guess what him and and the co writer. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. No, no,
2: I think that's a very good point. But the thing is that even in uh, the GLO genres, for example, Suspiria, the Mm. one thing that I didn't like about the film was how black and white it was, how the witches were portrayed as, you know, kind of this evil thing. And Mm. it's. The real scary part of the film comes from its soundtrack and cinematography and the atmosphere yeah. that it creates. That's why I really yeah. love the film. Yeah. Like, uh, the build-up to The Witch is brilliant. but when ah, Like the exposition,
0: the dump is like also, whatever. Right, that way.
2: Yeah, that's there. Yeah. So, it's be- maybe because I have this certain reservation about the giallo genre, probably mm. that's kind of spills here
0: also. That's how I Got feel it. that. Yeah. Yeah, Aryan, go ahead. Defend.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So when it comes to all Agarite films, right, we oh. talked about this in recent episodes, like if you rob off every Agarite film away from its style and presentation, they are as generic as stories could get, okay? Mm. Shaun of the Dead is about a guy being complacent in his life and about his position and relationships that he's having, whether it, that be his yep. friend or mother. Um, Scott Pilgrim his most well-received film not at the time but now mm. his most mainstreamy film now that, that film is like a simple Bollywood <laughs> masala coming of age story about a high schooler trying to impress a girl while also defeating his her evil exes right mm. now even, even this film as uh, Vashev said that it's very black and white in its storyline okay yeah it is but it's in the presentation that it excels. It's about this Mm. entire template of putting it, weaving it all in a 60s nostalgic London scenario. And you know, Mm. I mean, it bewilders me how people and critics have been receiving this film, while in reality, the most black and white tropey, in-the-face film that I saw last year, that was very well received by everyone, was promising young women. And that film was oh my god, like people had an ending. People that didn't like that film had a problem with its ending. I hmm. had an I had a problem with the entire movie about how and okay, I love Kerry Mulligan. Okay, I hmm. even in that film she was amazing, even Joe Bo Berman, right? But that film was like so in the face about it's like clearly black and white and I, I know that the theme that it was going for was it's very timely it's very important more people need to watch such films and support these films but this is how you do it this is how you present your film and it's that's what cinema is right like presenting telling same stories to a certain yeah, yeah. Ex- certain exceptions telling the same story again and again with certain leeway with your own while by, by introducing your own distinct style and your yeah. own subjective notions about what cinema is that's what filmmaking is right and I yeah. think Edgar is still excelling at that I mean okay. he's got yeah.
0: I, I think I uh, is... partially agree uh, but I think my, uh, my counter to that would just be that uh, that in this film unlike sort of uh, Shaun of the Dead or other films he's written about male protagonists. I guess the female characters to many people and to some degree to me also feel much more generic than a Sean, also. Like basically they, they feel that they have little identity to, identity to themselves. I think Eloise and Sandy have but then everyone around them is fairly whatever cookie cutter. Uh, and I, I honestly think removing the humor is, is a big, big uh, problem. I, I I think, I don't understand why he felt the need to completely devoid the film of it. Uh, it could have, I think, enhanced certain elements. Uh, but but yeah, look, I saw other films this year, like postmodern slasher type of things, where I was like, uh, the last night in Soho, on, again, the first, 30 minutes, the swinging 60s entering, people dancing and two people switching around like the girls, ka whatever, both of Sandy and uh, oh, why do I keep on, forever? Eloise switching while they're dancing, like all that choreography is fantastic, right? And probably better than a lot of stuff I've seen, but as a horror, a horror film or whatever, even as like a psychological drama, I was like, I've seen another film by Simon Barrett called Seance, which is similarly trashy, like, not similarly, actually, it takes itself much less seriously and kind of conveys a similar type of thing. So I'm like, where are we sort of, I don't want to overplay the right just because he's like, you know, uh, more taking this more seriously. Uh, in fact, I think taking it more seriously does harm to the film. Uh, I, so I should say, I, I actually want to then focus on the twist, uh, which I'm very curious to know what you guys thought about.
2: Uh, can I just uh, slip in just one more thing before yeah, we, yeah, we can go to the twist is that yeah. uh, I thought when Aryan mentioned Promising young Moon, I thought this was, I know I, I, I first thing struck me, okay, this is going to be exciting because I'm a kind of, a I, I, I love the film. I really mm. like the film. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, he also mentioned um, uh, how, you know, uh, his, his uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, they also have generic tropes, which I hmm. also agree with. That, but if you notice, uh, like the difference between, for example, sh- Shaw and the Dead, or basically the difference between the Conrad Trilogy and Soho, is that in the Cornado Trilogy, the basic theme is, you know, a guy living a mundane life, a boring life, probably a job or a, a police job that is boring or a corporate job that is boring, something like that. yeah So he lives a mundane life, and his life gets Kind of uh, shifted or shattered by something completely extraordinary, like Shaun of the Dead. It's a zombie invasion. Hot Fuzz. It's conspirating village people and uh, Walls ended literally aliens. So Mm -hmm. it that that obviously this very idea itself is very interesting. So it gives you this thing that okay, uh, you know, this this is a theme that you know he wants people to break out of their mundane lives. And I kind Mm -hmm. of resonated with it uh, with it a lot when I watched it like. Uh, four years back, Hmm. Uh, I resonated with a great extent. You know, I've seen this theme, you know, you see this theme a lot, being, uh, you know, uh, bored or being mundane in the job, for example, you know, Tamasha is the poster boy. I was about to say, (laughs) exactly. He he fucked it up after uh, (laughs) uh, starting from so he's gone there. But what Wright does is use this clash and use his own style to present it in a very comedic way, which I absolutely love. It's a it's a theme that is prior to this, but it's, I loved it a lot. I think and so that thing that you know uh, I don't know, it just doesn't come off as confidently or as uh, brilliantly as it has had in Cornetto Trilogy. Probably that's why it feels it feels that you know since he isn't applying his style very well, it feels like I am focusing on on the genericness of the themes or, or, or the know, gender roles that. He wants to comment on no. probably because of that. I, you know, it I is
0: co written by a female, just oh. to like point it out, because a lot of people have kind of bashed the dude for the third act twist, in which uh, I was a little surprised by what they were accusing the film of. But uh, but it's written, it's co written by Christy Wilson Keynes, just to mention that. So, uh, and Edgar Wright, of course, had the story and the screenplay credit. But what do you guys think of the third act twist? So, firstly, did you like, were you like, were like oh wow this happened well, firstly that and then secondly like what does it imply for the narrative like uh, in general it also it kind of gives way to one of my favorite very showy moments but very cool shot of uh, Eloise going up the stairs and Sandy following her like a praised killer I really like the slow motion uh, shot uh, as they're moving up anyways uh, what do you guys think of the third actress Anyone go? Sorry, I wasn't a good moderator. Just go. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just
2: like you said, Dhruva, I think it, I kind of predicted. You know. Yeah. You know, old lady living in a decrepit 60s house. Yeah. Alone. You know, it's kind of a template. You know, you're already on that line. Okay, she is the one. She's the mm-hmm. kind of she's she Sandy. Yeah. And obviously, the way the film presents it, the reveal, like it's kind of a very uh, shattering twist, which yeah. it doesn't feel like. That's yeah. But I really like the fact that, you know, uh, her, the twist, the way the twist is done, it's predictable, yes. But mm. what they want to say is that the amount of trauma and uh, yep. uh, uh, sexism and other kind of issues that happened mm. her resulted in her taking such a drastic step that we start to, a little bit, we start to care about the people who we thought were villains, like mm. the men. For a brief moment, we're like, okay, now. Technically, the villain is is Sandy.
1: That's,
2: yeah. that's How he tries to shift the perspective because he wants us to feel that, you know, this is a this is a villain whose motivations we know, who are yeah. who we know why that he is doing what she is doing. Yeah. So that kind of is a nice thing. I liked it, and uh, also how it uh, fits into Eloise's thing. I think there's something really dark going here, which mm. I, I don't know if. I don't know if he wanted to show in that sense or not, but the thing is that, you know, even after when we feel that, you know, uh, Sandy is the villain and she has mm-hmm. been killing and all that, we still see Eloise kind of saving her and kind of being there for her, yeah. kind of like still uh, being a very, very close and good friend for her. Yeah. So in, in spite of knowing what she has done, and even mm-hmm. in the end of the film, Mm. And she comes out of a fashion show and she sees her in the mirror yeah. she smiles and she's yeah. very kind of joyful and a, a warm towards her mm-hmm. so it feels like you know uh, the the like you know uh, how sandy couldn't achieve her dreams like mm-hmm. her dreams were crushed by the men around her yeah and Eloise is able to achieve her dreams or she's on the path. so mm-hmm. I think there's something dark going on here is that he right is trying to imply that you know Eloise is very much, through his, through her connection with Sandy that Elvis is very much into achieving her dreams and she gives an utmost importance to her dreams that she can f- kind of oh, form, uh, okay. that wrong that comes in uh, that she, she can take or okay. She, okay, okay like the dream becomes so damn important that you can literally come down to killing people okay
0: uh, can I interrupt? So that's
2: how, yeah, that's how the connection with Sandy comes. That's how that's what I feel, yeah.
0: So I didn't interpret it like this, And I think a lot of people actually have a problem that the film implies this. That's what I think. Uh, like from whatever I have read, like whatever one star, one and a half star, two star reviews, harsh people, uh, they have really got into the fact that they turned Sandy into the villain. I don't think they turn her into a villain though. Like to me, like the you know what Vashish was saying that my sympathies didn't shift actually uh, towards Sandy being like, I was like, right? Are you really going to go there? where you going to shift it to Sandy being the villain when like hundreds of men kind of like destroyed her world? But then I think the Eloise moment is the moment which kind of retreats back from it. To me, like the Eloise saying, no, I won't kill her because You guys want me to kill her like the men want uh, her to kill uh, their killer to me is like oh no because then it doesn't like uh, excuse these men of whatever things they did and I think it kind of justifies her killing all of these men. So I kind of see the ending as much more positive actually in a sense that Eloise and uh, what's a, well, Sandy embrace each other in a way that no one else around them were embracing. Like that's my sort of interpretation and I guess that's why I don't find the ending nearly as problematic as a lot of people have come to interpret it as. So,
3: that so was my... is, That's what I felt, that the ending is basically them finally coming to that middle ground and bridging those two generations right? Because hmm. we see, we are clearly living in very polarized times. So even before a movie comes out, this a similar thing happened with The Last duel. okay? That was like the most, I don't want to use this word, but because it gets a lot of weird misinterpretation these days, but The Last duel was as pro-feminist of a movie as one movie could be, right? It was such a well-structured movie about women emancipation in those times and all. Mm. And people were bashing onto that movie way before it came out, it is Showing I said men fighting for a women and all like go go see the movie first, right, So it's the same with this movie because what I felt is that rather than it showing that, oh uh Sandy is the villain, oh the guys were were the villain, or oh, it's justifying her killing those guys more than that, it's about how that toxic culture about hmm. a certain point of time in history turned her into this being which was not hers. She didn't feel herself I and mean, yet...
0: She, yeah. She she says right, Sandy died like a
3: hundred exactly. times. So exactly, Sandy died like a hundred times. So this is what the psychological. This is where it gets the psychological crux of it all a bit right. And this is the one of the rare times where the film actually succeeds at being somewhat like eerie and horror and psychological. Yeah, like
0: that's the creepier thing. I think yeah. like the fact that fact that everyone implied. around them kind of uh, I mean, turned her into this person.
3: So the film is more about her turning into this evil and she's killing these guys. And then the end, I was, to be very honest, you guys were discussing the ending and what your thoughts were on the ending. To be very honest, during that entire sequence where he comes back and, you know, that entire stabbing and crawling sequence, I was a bit, I felt it a bit jarring because I was like, this is like so much of sensory overload, but I'm not feeling the way the movie wants me to feel right hmm. but in the end that entire mirror wala sequence that was really well done because in that it's like uh, Eloise acknowledges that this she's finally accepting and acknowledging her process of coming out of grief and redemption right hmm. because how she gives a smile to that at her mother and Sandy's vision and hmm. she is with the guy that she yeah, wants, yeah. And she's with that um, I don't know. I don't even know that
0: character. The token real. character.
3: Yeah, the token character. Right? He obviously, very well, very badly set up and all, not fleshed out at all. A very comical guy, in a bad way, obviously. So she's standing with him. So it's like finally she's trying to bridge that toxicity of two cultures, yeah. and it's like coming on terms with the reality while also getting over that toxic aspect of it because yeah. she
0: just saw what happened to her mother right yeah.
3: so that's and that's an optimistic ending I mean
0: that's what I thought but Vasis's ending yeah. is quite like I I was uh, that I means did...
2: things, yeah
0: yeah. but if, if so it is be... interpret sorry go ahead Vasis no no go ahead so to
2: be honest I never found any problem idea I think it was brilliant hmm. like hmm. at least the way I interpreted it but now when I'm listening to you what I think there might be there might be a couple of one or two things that I might have glossed to her probably because that's how i'm feeling mm-hmm. but i don't know there's some still some some part of me that's because if you notice in the end when the mirror scene comes first right does show her mother yeah. which represents the warmth and the affection that eloise wants her in her life and uh, she craves for but when then she goes and meets her grandmother and uh, john but mm-hmm. then she turns and looks at the mirror and mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know if i felt that way or anybody else but i felt the way it has been shot, the way it there was, there was a very sinister feeling to mm. how it was being done, because very you have already established you have already established the warmth and affection with the mother. That's done, mm. and I didn't expect. Uh, I when when she turns her head towards the mirror. Obviously, I kind of thought that okay, this is going to be you know Sandy there. So mm. I thought that okay, if this is going to be Sandy, does she still uh, does she still you know. Uh, be connected to this person who actually has done so many horrible things, even though we do understand why she has done and there is a mm. very probable reason psych, uh, societal reason why she has done what mm. she has done but she still uh, goes you know how she touches the mirror touches. like yeah. the way she did in the start mm. and there's a very sinister tinge to that scene there's cool. something go off in that I felt in that sense
0: cool.
2: so probably maybe you can take like mesh both of these kind of things and say That's that, yeah, a s- things
0: solid there. interpretation. I honestly didn't think about that and now I'm very curious to like go I'm going back to watch this on Thursday. So I'm curious to know nice. what I what I am yeah, I'm going to the cinema to watch it again. Take that Sanjeet. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but but Somebody's yeah I'm, lucky. I <laughs> no I'm going just because one of my friends is coming over and he really is a big Edgar right fan. And I'm, It's also I'm, out on VOD yeah. by the 19th. I guess. Is it? Yeah. Oh wow! Then I might not go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I was waiting, uh, waiting
2: for the release. Uh, 19th, maybe DVD will Then I'll just. Really oh okay. Again, Thank you, Arun. No.
0: Okay, I'm not go? going. Then. Sorry. Sorry, oh, but Sanji. you should go. Like <laughs> cinema, you should go. You should go. I'll I'll te- I'll ask him. He probably want to go in the cinema, but you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah okay so is there anything else you guys want to talk about uh, oh yeah I forgot to even mention the Bollywood film that I thought about when the mirror se- scenes were happening in the you know the musical scene when when she's going through yeah, all yeah. the rooms hmm. Om Shanti Om oh god yeah right <laughs> It was like this is like the two <laughs> worlds colliding with yeah. each other and I was like oh wow I that film came to my mind while watching last night in Soho who could who have thought Kind of like that, so I I just had to put that in, even though it feels like... Uh, uh, just yeah.
2: one last question, I think I had. Um, yeah, yeah. This is kind of like a uh, the in, about the writing of the film.
1: Mm-hmm. I just
2: wanted to ask you about that. did you feel like uh, in that scene that uh, you know Sandy goes up the stairs to kill Eloise. Yeah. Right. She's like in a killing frenzy. She's like yeah. he has nothing stopping her from killing
0: Eloise.
2: Yeah. And, and when Eloise goes into the bedroom and she tries to get the phone yeah, yeah. call all the police and every all the spirits come
0: yeah. and
2: then Sandy gets in the room. I don't know if I did uh, watch it correctly or something. Something might have been missed. But when she walks into the room, she's she's uh, she imagines getting slapped by uh, the
0: yeah, guy, Matt Smith's character.
2: Uh, yeah. yeah, Matt Smith's character.
0: Hmm.
2: And then suddenly her killing frenzy just disappears then she's like, uh, she tells Eloise "Yeah, you can leave. Go save yourself yeah. and the boy." yeah i was like isn't this didn't it didn't feel like a very convenient way to just kind of wrap
0: things up i kind of like, guess it's just uh, like yeah i mean it I, I think i just you know i think the the kind of idea of that scene was driven more for me by the whole emotional element of Eloise saying no and as soon as she said no i was like okay it makes sense if uh, no as in i won't kill sandy And then I was uh, and then whatever happens from there I was like okay. and I think it's also the fact that she never visits that room right upstairs Uh, Dan Erick's character so I guess it's also like the whole flood of everything coming uh, directly at her and her realizing sort of the trauma of all these people who sort of but uh, she she does a couple of times in the film she goes oh yeah she she does does actually go she doesn't enter the room but she goes and looks right from outside yeah she peeps and just peeps uh, yeah I think okay yeah, okay. That's, yeah that's i mean yeah. interesting i will i will rewatch and get back to you if, if it holds up or if it feels very creaky uh but yeah I, on on first impression same, same. i was because i was the, much more yeah you were much more i was much more like fine with it uh but uh but let's see uh how it goes yeah
2: yeah because even i kind of now even more now i want to uh, I want to rewatch it because that optimistic part, I think I might have missed that. Hmm. So I, I think I need to just uh, kind of, this is a different reputation that's going in the film. Probably there are two, like there are many obviously, but then this thing, yep. I probably didn't catch. So yeah, I I, I should definitely get
0: you. No, no, I'm I'm most excited to revisit the first 30 minutes. I think they're just fantastic. So I'm like oh, excited to, I'm excited to just be like elevated by that. Destka, I'll be like, whatever. I'll so tell so my friends. Fine, I I get the endorsement guys, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go again. Uh, Anyways, anything more guys? I am, I am not, I think I'm pretty much covered most ground with this film, which is, yeah. Anything else from you guys?
3: So I'll just keep reinforcing this thought, it's just sad seeing such films bomb at the box office, you know, how long are we going to? I mean, even Scott Pilgrim was like a flop. It was considered a flop back when it came.
0: Big so, bomb that was. So, this yeah. is still whatever.
3: Ha, huh. but even this film is like, it's not very well received. And especially it was released right after Eternals, right?
0: Uh, Our in, favorite uh, film of the year. Yeah,
3: no. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not go there. Yeah. So, like, I still feel like failures like this, like, it's not a failure, but it's like yeah, yeah. box office failures. Like, yeah. it, it may impress more than a success you know on a somewhat more narrowly defined terms yeah but i mean people should still yeah
0: it's the death what's the what's the thing the death of the mid-budget film or mid-range mid-range budget exactly. film, which yeah, is like exactly. you see with the last duel and like this film and like yeah which is i think for weird like strangely enough the mid-range uh thing is something i really gravitate to i'm like you know, my mm. favorite films of recent years have been like Widows and like Knives Out and all that stuff, right? Mm. In terms of like Hollywood, I'm talking. Uh, so I'm like, uh, if those go away, then you then you're left with these auto directors directing like your Dunes or like your Tenets, which is fine, yeah. fine, good for people who love them, uh, uh, like both of the films. But mm. but yeah, I think we also I really like. Uh, filmmakers tackling this sort of middle ground genre, like Ryan Johnson or like Steve McQueen or whatever. Other people also, at yeah. least, not, 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 not that much, but I haven't seen Last Duel. I saw the trailer for House of Gucci, though. Everyone's yeah. doing Italian accents, yeah, 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 like very Italian accents. I was like, okay, it's releasing here. Uh, that will right. release everywhere. Right. Lady Gaga is there, Gucci uh, is there, like, literally. And oh this film will probably <laughs> score
2: at box office so Like, kind of like like makes up for the last duel issue.
0: House of Gucci? Yeah, probably. But but very strange yeah. why Last Duel tend to. Well, it's got a good cast. It's got like writers are like Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon and Nicole Holif- No, I think, or something like, like that. Like, she wrote the female film. Yeah, yeah.
2: I guess for a hundred million dollar film, like there was literally no
0: marketing, like no bars for the for film. last duel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, yeah, it was probably it? not mid-range budget. It was probably on the higher end, right? So
2: yeah. yeah.
3: Okay. And okay, it's okay, like okay. it's a period drama, which is almost two point five hours long. Plus, oh, that's it's true. already got that. It already had that controversy. I won't
0: lie. The two point five hours had turned me off also a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, no. I'll watch it. It's <laughs> coming out no soon on uh, online.
3: I guess, yeah. I, hope no, no, so. I would
0: have watched in the cinema, you know. It was it literally went out after half a week, so I couldn't like actually go to the cinema to watch yeah. it. Yeah. That's my excuse. But I also haven't watched Dune in the cinema. Just breaking news. Tonight. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh uh, watch let... that tone IMAX i didn't so i wanted to watch on imax but the imax threw through the through dune out for eternal so i couldn't so i was like well you shouldn't have Thanks. even waited
3: that long i've i've watched it twice in imax just on the opening weekend there's oh, I... no idea yeah. <laughs>
0: No, I think that's, uh, that's. I mean, I don't think I can watch it first like that. But okay.
2: No, but honest, honestly, Dune was Dune just got better with the second viewing, so much better. What happens with Solo also? Especially wow. after
3: Dune watching got it with the same. second viewing. Because <laughs> yep, you watched yeah. it with this knowledge, that it's literally half a movie, and there will finally yeah, be uh, a sequel. I knew
0: it from uh, the yeah. <laughs> I read above.
2: <laughs> if he's making a two part film, then you know, yeah, it's kind of obvious. Key. I'll stop somewhere midway into the Frank Herbert story. So, yeah.
0: yeah, I'm curious. I don't know if I can convince any of my friends to go and watch a tune, so I only have to go. Uh, normal cinema, mein, but I'm explaining, uh, anyways. Uh, we can go on about the state of cinemas here and yes we've paid enough influ like homage to like sanjeet this episode i think we're pretty much through it like we've we've done a lot of cinema championing here. uh okay that's it for this episode it was a great talk uh i think i think I, this is, i'm repeating sanjeet only now and uh it was a great talk Thank you for being here, Aryan and uh, Vashisht. Uh, follow us, as in Queen is Dead, on uh, Spotify. Like, subscribe, it really helps if you give a rating and review to us. You can follow Aryan at Arjen Talks Film on Instagram. He does great stuff about contemporary releases and other stuff about a compilation list of a lot of uh, previous auto films, like Bergman, I think you've written about, and a couple of others. Uh, Vashist also you can follow on Vashist you can fill in the blank please uh, on Instagram my Instagram is uh, vashist.thakwani that's it okay yes that and uh, and uh, follow <laughs> me at uh, Terminal Cinema if you want to and that's it that's a big sort of Edgar Wright wrap up uh,
1: Khatam you're my world you're every breath I take You're my world You're every move I make Other eyes See the stars Up in the skies But for me They shine Within your eyes As the trees reach For the sun Above, so my arms reach out to you for love. With your hand resting in mine, I feel a part.